Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Matt Seamus. Thanks for being on the show, Matt. Whitney, thanks so much for having me. A little about Matt. He's a co-founder of Driven Capital Partners, a diversified real estate private equity firm with a portfolio totaling eight projects and approximately $85 million in value. He started Driven Capital Partners to invest his own capital in high quality commercial real estate in U.S. growth markets. He has enjoyed a successful entrepreneur career spanning the finance, real estate, and technology industries, including six years at Facebook. Matt, thank you again for your time. Share the listeners a little more about who you are, why you're getting you know into the commercial real estate space, and let's dive into what you do exactly. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Whitney. So I got kind of started in real estate at a young age. I got my real estate license when I was 20. And I ended up selling my mom's home, the home that I really grew up in. And she made a nice profit and I had this kind of light bulb moment. And that was about the time that I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And and I kind of had this entrepreneurial mindset where I felt like I want to go make something happen out in the world. And real estate just seemed like a really interesting avenue. So I actually thought I was going to go into commercial real estate in some capacity out of college, but I ended up going into investment banking and learned quite a bit there. But real estate's kind of always been in my life in some capacity, even though I've had a career that has spanned other kind of call them day jobs. I started investing earnestly in real estate in 2011. I started buying single family homes, duplexes, triplexes. And, you know, essentially buying the, the worst house in a pretty reasonable neighborhood and then adding value by renovating pretty significantly, getting a long-term tenant in the property. And, and that was kind of my, my model. And I thought, you know, by the time I'm 40 or 50 years old, I'm going to have a really significant, my financial life and my family's financial future is going to be dramatically different. And I thought, you know, if I can do one or two of these a year, this is going to be in addition to my, my day job and my, my other responsibilities, this is going to be really meaningful for me. And at some point, I started making more money in real estate and having a lot more fun <laughs> in real estate than I was in my day job. And I was kind of yearning for a little bit more of an entrepreneurial opportunity. So that's kind of what led to Driven Capital Partners. But it was kind of this foundation of entrepreneurial mindset, some entrepreneurial endeavors before, and then the success of, of real estate, but on a smaller scale for sure. Okay. So go right into like, what is Driven Capital Partners? How do you all function? Give us a little bit about just your all's investment strategy. Yeah. So Driven Capital Partners is, is really myself and my partner, Dan Kennedy. Uh, we're both in California. And we started Driven Capital Partners to invest our own money. We wanted to build a portfolio of high quality real estate that was diversified across asset classes and across different markets. So we started this as an opportunity to really get lots and lots of deals and opportunities in front of us and to go put our own money to work. 
And as you know, Whitney, you know, most of these large deals, you generally need other people's money to buy them and improve them and then operate them. And so we do take pride that we invest our own cash in every single deal that we do. But typically, not for every deal, sometimes the deal is small enough for us to take down on our own. But usually we will invite other people in our investor network to participate in deals with us. So that's really, that's really what we do in a nutshell. Tell me a little bit about just how you all are diversified. I know you all take pride in being diversified across different asset classes. And just elaborate on that a little bit. I know working with investors, I mean, that's that's a different relationship, you know, when they see different types of deals all the time, as opposed to just the same business model. Elaborate on that, please. Yeah, that's exactly right. We do not show investors the same deal or approximately the same deal over and over again. So again, we want to build a portfolio that that has staying power. And for us, what that means is we can't do the exact same deal over and over and we can't stay in only one or two markets. You know, we want our investors to be able to build their own portfolio. That doesn't mean they need to invest in every deal that we're doing, but it gives them an opportunity to see different kinds of deals different deal structures. It gives them exposure to different asset classes. So for instance, we have multifamily deals. We have just closed on a, in December on a couple of medical office properties, which we're really excited about. We're purchasing a flex kind of industrial office property, which we're really excited about. We look for opportunity and, and we are opportunistic as an entity. And when we go say, what markets do we like? What about those markets are interesting? And then from there, what asset class presents itself as an opportunity? And then how can we go take advantage of that opportunity? That's essentially kind of the flow that we go through when when we look at any new investment. So you might see, for instance, we have a project in Santa Barbara, which is a really unique project. It's an office to multifamily conversion. That's not something that you see every day. And then we have a pretty regular kind of straightforward multifamily project in Huntsville, Alabama, which those two things kind of in some ways couldn't be further away from each other, those two investment opportunities. But it gives our investors a chance to expose themselves to different kinds of risks and to create a portfolio for themselves over time. Nice. So I want to dive into that a little more, but I just want the listeners to know you and I briefly discussed just how you all you know, are turning this uh, coronavirus into an opportunity and, and whether it's you know for landlords you know, and buyers and just how you all have responded to that. But uh, And we're going to get into that. But I want to dive a little bit more into you know just having that conversation with investors when they're seeing so many different types of asset classes. In building just the, the level of trust that's so important when they know we're an expert in this thing that we do. You know, like we've done it this long, we've done this many deals, but, you know, if I started to do some other completely different asset class, you know, I would expect, you know, some different types of questions from investors. Now, wait a minute, you know, you've never done this before. And so tell me a little bit about how that's worked with investors doing so many different asset classes. So you're absolutely right that the number one thing is trust. And we have been blessed uh, to this point that we haven't been constrained by capital. We've been constrained by having deals that we are excited about doing. But you're right. It does make the conversations a little bit more challenging at times with investors because in many cases, it's a lot of education. Here's where we see the opportunity. Here's how we have mitigated the risks. Here's why we think this is the the best opportunity in a particular market. And at the end of the day, any investment comes down to 
the investor taking a leap of faith with you. There's no doubt. Trust is the most important thing. We have a network of investors who we have prior relationships with. Many of them have invested with us in, in previous endeavors and previous entities. And basically what we try and do is articulate our plan and also share what we think the risks are. And every deal is not for every investor. That's not the model that we have. And we're pretty clear about that. We do not at all try to encourage someone to take a risk that they are not comfortable with. And so that means that we have lots of people that, that trust us implicitly and they do invest in the vast majority of our deals. And then on any given deal we have maybe on our most recent deal, we probably had about two thirds of our investors were repeat investors and about a third of them were new. And so, you know, I think that's the other thing is having a diversified offering allows you to, it appeals to a certain investor. It doesn't appeal to everyone, but it certainly does appeal to some. And, and that's, that's who we are, we're targeting and, and developing relationships with. You mentioned that you've not been restrained by capital, which is you know, a blessing by itself. There's numerous people that would also say, though, they have been restrained by, you know, the lack of deal flow or good deals or, you know, a deal anywhere. And so you haven't been restrained by capital, but do you see that changing right now? Or do you think it's going to change at all amongst the, the current market, you know, towards the end of March here? I think this business is always going to be constrained by one of those two things, right? Either capital or access to deals that that capital wants to you know, deploy into. Yeah, I can absolutely see that changing. As we do larger deals, as we do more deals, yeah, absolutely. We need to continue to expand our our investor network, but up until now it hasn't it hasn't been the constraint. And really we we want to focus on doing deals that we are excited about. If either Dan or myself isn't isn't willing to jump on the table and pound our fist that this is the deal that we should be doing, then we really just don't do it. And part of that comes through, I think, in our discussion with investors about a particular deal. There is an X factor when someone can see and feel the passion that you have for a particular deal, even if it may be something that they haven't considered investing in before. So, you know, what about any response from investors right now saying, we're going to hold off for a few months anyway before we do any more investing or any conversations like that? Yeah, there are certainly some investors that are spooked by what's happening in the markets. And, and, and by the way, I think that is prudent. I think, you know, worry, worry may be a bit of a strong word, but worry about what is going on and what will be happening in the future. But that's in some ways a defense mechanism to help get you planning and thinking about what you're going to do about it. So I think some level of concern and worry is really healthy. And yeah, we have some investors that have been battered pretty heavily by this recent stock market decline. But by and large, our investors share our belief that this may actually present a window of opportunity. If we believe that the coronavirus effects are going to be relatively short-lived. Now, there's still lots and lots of uncertainty. I want to caveat that. But if we do believe that, and then you couple the fact that we are looking at investing in markets and asset classes where the fundamentals before coronavirus were very strong, and presuming there is a return to kind of normal everyday economic activity, those fundamentals are still there coupled with a very, very low interest rate, you know, historically low interest rate environment, it actually may present an interesting opportunity that we can take advantage of. And, that, and that's what we are looking to do. But 
in a very, very prudent way. Well, on that note, it's a great segue to, I want to know how you all are, are turning the coronavirus into an opportunity, whether landlord or, or buyer, just dive into that as well. Well, most important for us is our current portfolio. So we have to make sure that we are tending to the existing tenants that we have. I'll give you an example on the medical office. We have two medical office properties, and these are dentists, doctors, physical therapists are, are tenants in these properties. Everyone is getting hit as a result of uh, the coronavirus, the economic effects of basically staying home, everyone staying home. So what we're doing first and foremost is looking at how can we help our tenants? We are only going to be as strong as, as them and they need to be thriving in order for us to do well long-term. So first and foremost, we're looking at are there opportunities that, that we might be able to put in front of our tenants that, that help their financial wherewithal and their ability to withstand the next at least few months of kind of economic distress. But specifically, we have tenants who maybe, so for instance, there's a one dental tenant who we are in current in negotiations with who has about 18 months left on their lease. And as a landlord, you would like them to have a lot longer term. As a tenant, they are going through cash flow issues right now. So is there an opportunity to potentially renegotiate their lease, adjust the structure so that they stay for a longer term? And maybe in return, we are willing to abate their rent for some period of time to ease their cash flow concerns. Now, that's a simple example, and it could be that simple. But basically, you know, at the end of the day, we're real estate investors and operators. We're problem solvers. This is a big, big problem. It is a hairy one. And now we, we have a chance to go potentially come out on the other end of it stronger than we entered it. And I kind of think of it, it's not a perfect analogy, but analogous in some ways to a relationship where maybe you have a bad customer service experience, but somehow that person on the other end of the experience turns it around for you. And at the end of the experience, you started with a negative experience and it turned into a stronger relationship between you and that company maybe that you were buying something from. And I kind of see this as the same opportunity here. And we're just really trying to take advantage of that by talking with each of our tenants and seeing if there's an opportunity for us to help and, and seeing where those conversations go. Love that. It's really turning it into a, a positive and, and potential stronger relationship and potential longer lease, but also working with them as well, making it a better situation for them during this hard time. I love how, just working that out and making it a win-win. I'll never forget years ago, I was sitting in a small group at church and this guy said, great guy, he said, if you want to see what's in the bucket, you got to kick it over. It's like, you know, us personally, when your bucket gets kicked, a lot of times that's, you know, and that's kind of what the coronavirus is doing to a lot of us or our businesses. And we get to see what's inside our own buckets. And I agree, it's a great time to really be working with tenants. And we're trying to do the same thing during this time to figure out their needs and, and, figure out how we can make it work for all of us. Just moving further in that a little bit, you know, what do you see your all's team doing over the next, say, six months? I know it's like we still don't even know. We don't know exactly at the moment how bad this is going to be or how quick it's going to be over with one way or the other. But, you know, right now with what we know, and again, this is what, March 24th, uh, this won't come out for a couple weeks after or so, but just want all the listeners to know that because uh, we may know a lot more by that time. But at the moment, how are you all planning moving forward for your business? Well, 
So again, first and foremost is making sure that we have our current house in order. So looking at every one of our properties, and this was a big exercise last week for us, which was how can we take a step forward on every single property that we have and put ourselves in a better position given the uncertainties ahead. And so that was the big exercise for us last week. Looking forward into acquisition opportunities, we are being cautiously optimistic and I would say even more prudent and conservative than we have in the past. So last week we killed a lot of deals that we had been kind of considering and were on the back burner. We just took the opportunity to say, there's a good chunk of deals that we are going to pass on right now and free up our mind space to go focus on the few that we think actually have great opportunity. And again, I think this comes back to, do we think that the fundamentals are strong? And do we think that even in some kind of sustained downturn, this is a good investment opportunity? And do we think it's a good investment opportunity now? So I think it's kind of having your ears perked up. And for us, it's not being, we're still looking. In fact, we have two deals in contract right now. And so we're still looking, we're being even more prudent than we were. We're probably going to raise more cash than we anticipated on both of these deals, which gives us a little bit more equity and reserves just in case and puts us in a more conservative position. Now, on the flip side, we're going to get better debt terms than we anticipated. And also on the flip side, there may be an opportunity to get a discount on a property today. There are certainly sellers that are, and there will be sellers that are interested in selling their property. And they're going to be more motivated today than they were maybe a month ago because of just the uncertainty in the future. So I think we're going to continue to look, but we're going to be even more prudent and we're going to probably be even more conservative with how we structure any any given deal. Do you all have any kind of way of calculating how much extra cash you're going to raise, you know, like for that reserve account you're talking about? You said you anticipate raising more. Most people I find don't really have a great way of saying we're going to raise this much more, but I just wonder how are you all calculating that moving forward or raising more even for the two deals you have under contract? I think it's going to depend deal by deal. There's not an easy, quick calculation. One commercial deal that we are in contract on right now, it's 100% occupied and has long-term tenants. So, but we're going to raise enough cash that we can cover one year or more worth of debt service if both tenants just fell out of business overnight. And we don't expect that to happen. These are strong tenants with long-term tenants, strong credit profiles. But just in case, we want to have that extra cash. And what that does, you know this, Whitney, but what that does is it's going to lower our return profile. Like when we go tell investors, here are the returns that we expect, because we have cash sitting in an account waiting for a rainy day, it's going to lower our return profile. But I think all of us are going to be able to sleep a little bit better at night knowing that we have, you know, just an extra cushion. You know, I think after what's happening right now, I do not think that will be hard to sell investors on, you know? (laughs) You're going to take a little less return. However, we're going to have this set aside in reserve budget from day one. And that we just closed on a property a week ago and we had a massive reserve budget. I know that people probably thought we were crazy for having such a large reserve budget. And we're so thankful, obviously, now that we did, you know, and I just think that's a very wise move having that from day one, as opposed to having a much smaller portion up front, which is what a lot of guys will do. And then just say, okay, we're going to take so much per unit per year, build that up. But 
you don't know what's going to happen the first two days after we own the property or the first day almost, you know, is when a lot of this started coming out. So a few final questions, Matt, before we run out of time. Tell me what's been the hardest part of this syndication process or business for you? Hardest part has probably been maintaining focus on what you know, we kind of believe to be the biggest opportunities. And this is the double-edged sword of the approach that we have, which is we look at lots of different opportunities in, in different markets. And so I think staying focused, for us, it comes back to believing in the market and understanding the fundamentals of the market, staying true to kind of just kind of our core DNA, which is conservative and, and long-term minded. I think focus has been something that, you know, I think for everyone, for any entrepreneur, right, that's building something, uh, you can get shiny object syndrome. So that has, has been something that we continuously, you know, deal with, but we're excited about where we're going. What's your best advice for somebody to become a successful syndicator? Maybe one or two sentences that maybe they haven't done a deal yet, but that's where they're headed. They're pursuing to operate their own deals and be a syndicator just like yourself. I think you have to, I would even back up and say that as a syndicator or entering a space where you're going to be putting together and sponsoring deals, that's a very entrepreneurial thing to do. And as an entrepreneur, you have to have this mindset that is about, I'm going to do this some way, somehow. And it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. And there is nothing that's going to stop me. If you have a shred of doubt, it's going to be easy to pull on and it's going to be easy for you to back away from what really your ultimate goal is. So I would just say, you know, you really need to have confidence and get your mindset right that you're going to do this no matter what. And it's not a matter of if you're going to do it, it's a matter of when. What's a way you have improved your business recently that we could apply to ours? Well, actually, I probably can take some tips from you, Whitney. I know you're pretty big on kind of automation and outsourcing and things like that. The team right now is just Dan and myself. And as we grow, we want to maintain, we do not want to build a big business. We want to maintain a very small business. But we know that we need to rely on other people more. And so we're going to be looking to implement some, probably some outsourced functions and some additional teammates to help us do some of the things that, that maybe are repetitive or that we can't, that aren't the best, the absolute best use of our, our time. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I think it probably goes back to mindset. You can see it in our name, Driven Capital Partners. My partner, Dan, played professional soccer for 12 years. He's going to kill me for saying this, but he's not the absolute best athlete on the field, but he was so driven to succeed. He made a great career for himself. And I would say the same thing, you know, personally, I am very focused on the task and goal ahead. And I think that that's important in this industry. If you're starting out from a kind of a non-traditional background from a non-real estate background. I would say that it's really about persistence and a positive kind of abundance mindset. How are you finding investors right now? We are, the vast majority of our investors come through referrals for us. We don't do any advertising, any marketing. We are largely taking on investors through referrals and word of mouth. And I think that will continue for us. That's what feels right personally for me and for Dan. And we like to have a direct relationship with our investors. So, so that's what we'll probably continue to do. And how do you like to give back? Well, so I used to work at Facebook. Facebook has a great feature, which is allows you to donate to 
particular charities or causes. And it's really easy. In fact, I donated actually earlier today to the CDC. And so I find it really easy, uh, an easy way for me to donate some money to a particular cause. And it's very topical. I would say that's my method of choice at the moment. Wow. Matt, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to get to know you a little bit and just hear what you all are, are focused on, how the coronavirus has affected your all's business, but how you all are seeing it as an opportunity and moving through that and even, you know, being very just futuristic, optimistic, expecting opportunities through this, even though it's a difficult time for everyone. So just grateful for that. And just you talking about just the mindset shift, you know, for an entrepreneur and just how that's helped you to be successful and, and will help all of us to be successful in our businesses. But tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. You can visit our website, drivencap.com, short for Driven Capital Partners. My email is matt at drivencap.com. And I would say those are the two best ways. Awesome, Matt. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. Thank you, Whitney. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.